Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Control Intelligence. I'm Mike Bassador, Editor-in-Chief of Control Design and your host for today's podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Mike Milligan, who is an industry segment manager for warehouse automation at Masumi. We'll be talking about automation and technology solutions being implemented in warehouses, distribution centers, and fulfillment centers. Mike's role at Masumi involves developing strategies for how Masumi's offering of products can be utilized to build warehouse automation solutions. Prior to his role as industry segment manager, Mike worked in both sales and engineering roles at Masumi. In his sales role, he served the southeast region of the United States and focused primarily in the packaging industry, which became a natural transition to warehouse automation solutions. Before working for Masumi, Mike graduated with a degree from the University of Illinois and later earned his MBA from the University of Georgia. Hi, Mike, and thanks for joining us today. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Great. So for those individuals who, who may be unfamiliar with Masumi, can you please explain a little bit about the company, what it does, and, and, and that sort of thing? Yeah, so Masumi is a manufacturer and distributor of mechanical and electrical components. We make and supply parts for a variety of industries, our largest being automotive and medical. We recently identified warehouse automation as a growth industry that requires a little bit more focus. Uh, we believe our product lineup plays really well in the warehouse automation space. We carry components like linear, rotary, and structural products like linear shafts, rotary shafts, timing pulleys, aluminum extrusion, rotary bearings, linear bearings, all those sorts of components that really work well for warehouse automation equipment. Uh, we also believe that our supply model enables us to support our customers from the beginning of the design process because of our no minimum order quantities through the life of the equipment. Great. That sounds like you have a, an extraordinary uh, breadth of uh, offerings, and that certainly translates well into, into that uh, warehouse and distribution center industry, which, like you said, is certainly one of the growing industries. Now, uh, Masumi is known for its configurable model. Can you explain how exactly that works? Yeah, absolutely. So Masumi's configurable model is pretty unique in the industry. Uh, historically, parts have either been standard off-the-shelf you know, sizes from a catalog that come with part numbers, or they're custom parts that are fabricated in a machine shop based on a drawing made by an engineer. There are definitely pros and cons to both of those solutions. Catalog parts are readily available which are limited by the number of options that are on the shelf. And then conversely, machine shops are more expensive and have a little bit less consistent lead time, but you're able to get exactly what you need. Masumi's configurable model aims to combine the benefits of both of those options. Like standard catalog parts, Masumi also operates out of a catalog and with part numbers, but our dimensions are what we call configurable. The best way for me to explain configurable, I normally like having like an example in front of you. Podcasts don't mm -hmm. really... Uh, allow me to do that, and so I'll just right. try to walk you through a quick example. Uh, so say you had a linear shaft. One end was threaded, the other end was tapped. Um, you could get this made at a machine shop. They'd be able to get you exactly what you wanted, but maybe you only need a couple of them, and their machine mm -hmm. shop's going to charge you the setup fees and all of that. So I'm assuming you can just go onto our website, assumingusa.com, look up the linear shafts. You can choose the one end tapped, one end threaded option, and that'll take you to what we call our configurator page. And then from the configurator page, you can start building your part. And so you choose your material, your surface treatment, your hardness, your tolerance options for, or your tolerance specification for the diameter. 
Um, and then you start picking your actual dimensions. And so for things like the diameter and the thread sizes, those are kind of more standard options, like diameters are whole numbers, thread sizes, you know, your typical M6, M8. But then for things like length, you're able to configure or, or choose your length to 0.1 millimeter specifications, and same things with like the thread length and the, the depth of the tap. And you're also able to add things like wrench flats if you need something like that. And so once you select all of those different options, you have a, now have a part number. You're able to readily see our pricing, our lead time online, our lead times all shipping from a warehouse in the United States. And then you're able to also download the CAD, which is another great feature because normally you have to make your drawing and then send it to a machine shop. And mm -hmm. now you can just configure it online, download the drawing, and it's, it's ready to go. That, that's very handy. can be done from pretty much anywhere as long as you have a, a web browser. Yeah, absolutely. So given the labor shortage and the, you know, obviously in a, a warehouse or distribution center, the high percentage of manual operation that's necessary, what kinds of equipment are helping those places to automate many of those processes? This is a great question because it, like historically they really have been very manual, you know, distribution mm -hmm. centers. And I think that it's, it's interesting to kind of follow the goods through the distribution center. So, you know, they arrive at the, the dock, they have to get unloaded off a truck. And so that's a person, you know, a licensed forklift driver, unloading, right. bringing them over to an area to be depalletized so that they can then be sorted, put on the shelf. Like that's a lot of, a lot of people touching a lot of different components or a lot of product. And that's just, it takes time. And so mm -hmm. kind of every step along the way is starting to be automated. So there are, there are autonomous forklifts now, you know, mobile robotics are, are, you know, starting to really help make the unloading process more efficient. And then once it's unloaded by an autonomous forklift, there are many ways to depalletize the pallet without having to have, you know, people with knives cutting off the wrap and removing boxes individually. There's robotic arms that can now take off the wrap and move mm -hmm. stuff from boxes and send it down a conveyor line so it can be sorted. And then there's the, the whole getting product onto a shelf and off of a shelf, you know, storing it and then retrieving it. There are a lot of different ways you can do that. You can use mobile robotics again. You can use AGVs, which are automated guided vehicles, or AMRs, which are right. autonomous mobile robots. And they can, mm -hmm. they can bring goods from point A to point B so that people don't have to walk through the, the warehouse or the distribution center. You can also use systems like automated storage and retrieval systems, which have, I don't know mm -hmm. if you've ever seen that, but it's the big rack system that have sure. these little shuttles that go and navigate and they drop things off and they, they document where it is on which shelf and then when you need it, it'll go and retrieve it for you and bring it right back. Um, mm -hmm. And so both of those, like those two options have really helped uh, automate storing, storing and retrieving, which take up all, a lot of space and a lot of time. And then kind of as you move further through the distribution center, okay, great, now you've retrieved what you need and what the customer wants and they got to package it. Packaging is still very manual at a lot of distribution centers, especially depending on what they're shipping. There's a lot of unique products that are all different sizes and shapes. Someone's got to load that box. There's, not, there's still not a great way of, of packing that without someone looking at it and knowing which size box to use. But that is slowly becoming more and more automated. And then once it's packaged, it's got to get to the truck, right, the next truck to get loaded and get to the customer. And so you could either like throw all those things into a, a cart that's then pushed to the truck. That's not very efficient. Now it's, it's a lot of big sortation systems that 
items get packaged, they get sent down a conveyor. People, or not people, now it's it's the conveyor that just does the sorting for it. It gets it to the right dock, mm-hmm. and then there are people at the end of the dock that either load it onto the truck, or there are, again, more forklifts, autonomous forklifts, or AMRs that are loading it onto the truck. And so it's just kind of like every step along the way is starting to see more and more automation. We, we haven't quite gotten to the fully automated no no humans yet, but Mm-hmm. I mean, they're constantly making more innovations, and it, we're really making leaps and bounds, especially in the this day and age of e-commerce. Absolutely, yeah. It's interesting uh, you say that with the um, with the autonomous. Uh, I don't know that. Well, never say never, but I don't know that there will ever be an autonomous distribution center per se. But it's interesting that you know, Mass Robotics has developed the interoperability standard for the AMRs now that they're testing at FedEx's DART Center. And it's just amazing that you have so many of these robots just going all over the place in a lot of these uh, facilities where, you know, they have to be able to at least not run into one another just because there's becoming so many of them around. They can't run into each other and people. That's the other, right? Yes. People are unpredictable. Robots are predictable. (laughs) Right. (laughs) People not so much, yes. Yeah. So uh, speaking of these fulfillment centers, and, and uh, you know, one of, one of the paradoxes is they're getting bigger and they're getting smaller at the same time. So can you talk a little bit about micro-fulfillment and how the, the, the rise in that has changed the market and, and how also will larger-scale distribution centers change the market? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that it's important to kind of establish what we think the market is. And so I'm kind of looking at it from the consumer perspective. So I think that consumers have come to expect their goods to be shipped free and to receive them in two days. That's kind mm-hmm. of the standard, especially from from like a big box store, or a big major company, right? Like they're expecting right. it mm-hmm. to be free shipping and to get it fast. And so micro-fulfillment centers really aim to improve on that two-day delivery. They're saying you know, we're, we're going to implement these micro-fulfillment centers in, like, densely populated areas. Um, they're going to have a smaller footprint than our normal big fulfillment center because real estate's very expensive in urban settings. And we want to get these products, get as many products impact into this micro-distribution center so that we have products now closer to the consumers. And so their goal is to get products into people's hands same day, whether that's someone walking up and picking them up or getting them delivered. And so right. those uh, automated storage and retrieval systems are really ideal and perfect for that micro-fulfillment space because they really optimize the every space, every inch of those warehouses, right, from mm-hmm. the floor all the way to the ceiling. And then right. kind of outside of consumer products, we're also seeing a rise in micro-fulfillment in the grocery industry. Hmm. Consumers are starting to want more from their grocery store chains. They, they're not really content having to walk the aisles and see what food is there and just do that whole process. I mean, I do it three times a week. I'm constantly at the grocery store. Right, um, yes. People want to have groceries delivered to them either by the grocery store or by a third party or at least brought to them curbside. And that requires people to pick. Like, like workers have to be in there picking things off of shelves for these customers so that they don't have to do it themselves. And that's a very inefficient process. And so, you know, micro-fulfillment is aiming to have robots do that picking. Maybe they're not walking up and, you know, walking, rolling, whatever, up and down the shelves, but maybe it's, again, one of those automated storage and retrieval systems or mobile robotic systems that 
is able to just pick everything for you and then you just show up and your groceries are ready to be picked up. And so mm-hmm. I think that it's going to continue to trend more and more that way. Groceries, at least, will continue to trend more and more that way as people kind of decide they don't like being at the grocery store all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And then conversely, you had mentioned the massive distribution centers. How is that changing right. the market? So if we look at it again from customers are expecting things in two days, the huge dist- distribution centers are aiming to continue that and to help get the costs down from you know the company's end. So the more goods they're able to have, again, closer to customers, the cheaper it's going to be to do the shipping to get it to them. And so these massive distribution centers are, really help a lot of innovation happen because they're generally – combining a lot of different types of uh, like automation equipment. It's not just one single system. It's a whole bunch of different companies' systems that are then linked together by maybe like a big integrator. And so it, it allows these smaller companies to have their equipment be used and tested in these huge settings and allows them to then have, you know, the capital to innovate further. And so it's like the, the massive uh, distribution centers are – are really like kind of integral in just the the furthering of warehouse automation or fulfillment automation. Right. So you've walked us through the warehouse, the the distribution center, you know, from the arrival of materials to the the deployment of them and the whole that whole process. Can you talk a little bit about of those steps that you've mentioned? Uh, which one of those? Are, well, which one is the, the most complex in terms of uh, trying to automate a fulfillment process? So I touched on it a little bit when I gave my big long answer earlier, but, but packaging mm-hmm. is one of the most complex. It's just because the parts that are being packaged are complex. You're taking something 3D and putting it into something else that's into a 3D empty space. It's right. incredibly complex to, to automate just because it's always going to be a little bit different. And then another part of uh, packaging is, is kind of like the picking, right? So we have like the automated storage and retrieval systems, but like the robotic arms that, that do picking as well, their vision technology has gotten so much better and they can mm-hmm. identify different types of goods. Like you might just have a big, you might have goods feeding into like a big bin or whatever. And these robotic arms are able to know what it needs to pick, find it in there mm-hmm. and then pick it accordingly. And like mm-hmm. that blows my mind. Like I remember being at trade shows and being in, like five years ago and seeing, you know, just a pick in place that's moving like a marble from one tray to another tray. I'm like, that's cool. That mm-hmm. that does that does a task. That's a needed task. And but now you see these robotic arms doing pick in place with very complex items, and it's it's just crazy how fast everything continues to develop. Um, mm-hmm. And then another complex thing that you, you actually touched on was is just like AMRs, the autonomous mobile robots, when you have a whole bunch of them in a small space, right, that are all just moving around each other. Right. I'm not, I'm not a software guy. I'm not a technology guy. But the software and technology and electronics that have to go into those just blows my mind because they all have mm-hmm. to know where each other are at all times. And sometimes right. you get tens or hundreds of these all interacting and it's it, it like to me that's just crazy to think of how that can just be a part of a, a bigger an even bigger system you have a hundred you know robots moving around that are then a part of an even bigger chain in that fulfillment center or warehouse 
And then we kind of, again, touched on this other point is will a fulfillment center ever be able to like go dark where it doesn't have any people in it, right? It's just, it's just robots doing the whole process. I think you said that you don't really see that happening. I think someone's going to do it. I think someone's going to do it just to say that they did it. Um, yes, I don't know how I well agree. it's going to work. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how well it's going to work. Like, I, just think, right. I think it's going to have a lot of supervision and a lot of troubleshooting, but I think someone's going to do sure. it, and then once someone does it, we'll learn a lot. And I don't, I don't think it'll be done well for a long time, but I think mm-hmm. someone's going to take a very, maybe a very small or specific like product that's being sent at a fulfillment center, and they'll try to do the whole process automated. And like I said, we'll learn a lot. And so like until until someone does it, we we won't know what needs to be done, and so right. yeah, yeah. Per, perhaps it'll just be staffed by the man and the dog, and the man's yeah, there exactly. to feed the dog, and the do, the dog's there to bite the man if he tries to touch any of the uh, controls. Exactly. So, speaking of technologies, I know I know you're not a uh, you know a technology guy per se, but in terms of the technologies themselves. I know you've already talked about uh, quite a few of these, but but which technologies would you say have zeroed in on allowing warehouses to increase the throughput rates, but also expand the product ranges and still maintain accurate order fulfillment? So, I mean, those are three things right there that, how do you do all three of those things? Yeah, normally one increases at the detriment of another, right? And so- exactly. Yeah, I think I think one of the biggest things is just the inventory management software and solutions that exist. Yeah. It's no longer a, like a guy or a gal putting numbers into Excel to keep track of inventory. Mm-hmm. The robots know, right? It's everything is scanned, everything is a barcode, everything is cataloged, um, and when you know what is where at all times and how many it allows you to be just incredibly efficient. You don't have like out of stock issues as often unless some, you know, someone buys your entire stock, but you're able mm-hmm. to have safety stock. You're able to, to kind of foresee some of those issues happening. Another major factor is uh, just there's, it's getting things to the truck, right? So you've now got things packaged. How do you, how do you make sure that you're still accurate in getting it to the customer in the most efficient way possible. Since, since everything's got a barcode, everything's scanned, it's no longer someone just assuming that this is the package that goes on that truck. It's, it's all being sent on a conveyor line. It's being sorted, and it's going to get on the right truck so it doesn't go to St. Louis instead of Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that goes a long way. That keeps customers happy. Like It, it doesn't waste time in logistics. Um, and it, 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 like it helps with maintain your, your accuracy. It's getting to them when you say it's going to get to them. Right, right. So uh, warehouse automation technology, it's, I wouldn't say a perfect solution, but it, certainly for the times, it's very pertinent right now. But that, that same technology can be used to solve other problems in, in different industries as well. For example, uh, mobile robotics isn't solely used for fulfillment purposes, as we were talking about. Can you explain, uh, maybe in your experience at least, what are some other areas where you're seeing this type of technology popping up? Yeah, so like mobile robotics is a great place to start. Like they're starting to be integrated into people's everyday life. People own little robots now that like vacuum their floors or mow their grass. Sure. Like it's it's not just like business to business; it's business to consumer. Like I have a I have a vacuum that goes around my my living room and picks up all the pet hair. 
Mm-hmm. And so like that, it, it's much simpler than some of the other technology, but it's just, it's normalizing the technology. We're also seeing things like autonomous cars, right? Like that, who knows if we'll ever get there? We probably will. But I mean, that's just a big scale mobile robot, right? Right, um, yeah. And then things like last mile delivery, like that's still in the distribution center and warehouse automation kind of helm because it's getting products to the end customer. But like mobile robots, you you might see them going down a sidewalk to deliver a package. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, mobile robots are also seen outside of warehouses, but still in businesses. You might have uh, like a, a cleaning or a sanitizing robot that goes around with like a UV light or that's spraying a disinfectant, you know, through, through an office space or that's cleaning mm-hmm. the floor um, in an office space. And then things like industrial robotic arms are definitely not limited to warehouse automation. They didn't even start in warehouse automation. Like automotive has been using robotic arms to do welding and you know help with mm-hmm. car assembly for years and years and years. Um, but we're also seeing robotic arms in things like surgeries, right? And so it's, right. it's very... Like that. that is way more fine-tuned and specific than warehouse automation will ever be. Like I'm... I'm blown away by a robotic arm identifying a teddy bear and being able to pick it out of a bin. Like, I couldn't imagine having a robot, you know, give me knee surgery. Like, that's crazy, mm-hmm. but it's happening, <laughs> and it's going to continue happening. And as, as that technology keeps getting better, it's only going to free up, you know, surgeons' times to do more complex and uh, just more complex surgeries. Um, and then sortation equipment, sortation equipment has been used outside of warehouses for a long time as well. Airport luggage handling is a great example. I had never really pictured what that would look like until I had seen Toy Story 2 when I was a little kid. And I <laughs> there's the scene where, towards the end of the movie, where they're in the airport, they're riding the bags through this huge, big, complex, you know, set of uh-huh. conveyors. And I was, just, I was just like, that is crazy. Like, how, how does any of that know where it's going? And I realized the movie mm-hmm. is a cartoon depiction of it, but, it, like, it holds true, right? Like, right. you just see Absolutely. our bags go down the chute and then they're gone and then hopefully they're they're waiting for us when we get to wherever we're going but yeah like that's just big sortation equipment that has to be right every time and whenever it's not right Mm -hmm. those airlines hear it on social media and so they're definitely incentivized to have you know that equipment work right every single time and so you know, it's just, it's whether it's in a warehouse or at an airport or whether it's a little robot in your house, like we're seeing very similar technology kind of just expanding across the board. And it's, it's a pretty exciting time. Absolutely. Yeah, great answers to all those questions. Really insightful stuff. And uh, I think very valuable just in terms of what's, what's coming down the road and some of the things that Masumi has to offer uh, in that equation as well. Yeah. So thanks so much Thank for, for joining us, me. Mike. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And thanks to all our listeners for joining us on Control Intelligence, the podcast for Control Design Magazine. Thanks, of course, to Masumi's Mike Milligan for his insights into warehouse automation solutions. If you enjoyed this episode of Control Intelligence, don't miss our older episodes and subscribe to find new podcasts in the future. You can find our podcast library at controldesign.com or download all episodes via Apple Podcasts or Google Play. Thanks again, Mike. Yeah, thanks again for having me. It was, it was great to be here.